0: Father in heaven, we just thank you so much again for uh, this third presentation. Uh, We pray and ask that you'd bless us with wisdom, understanding, uh, practicality, and God, most of all, we pray for the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The name of the sermon is called Toxic Masculinity and the Proverbs 31 Man. Toxic Masculinity and the Proverbs 31 Man. And uh, we're going to be talking about some very interesting concepts today that are relevant. It's not by any means exhaustive, and it may give us more questions than answers, but for the sake of time, we will go through this rapid fire, right? Okay, rapid fire. All right. Has anybody ever seen this Gillette commercial that came out recently? Anybody ever seen this Gillette commercial? Yeah. And there's a, it's a controversial commercial because... You know the uh, slogan for Gillette, right? Does anybody know the slogan for Gillette? The best a man can be. And it shows this guy in the mirror just shaving, right? Obviously, I don't prescribe to Gillette. You can see right here. But uh, Gillette is a very interesting company. And uh, like many companies, they're entering into sort of the, the social foray of many issues and topics that are affecting many people. And uh, recently, they launched a commercial in which they were talking and describing through various kinds of uh, acting and scenes what toxic masculinity looks like. But combined with toxic masculinity, they portrayed men who did not subscribe to this idea of toxic masculinity. What is toxic masculinity? Sometimes we hear that word throwing around uh, by celebrities and movie stars. Sometimes it's on Facebook. Perhaps you know someone who's very ardent uh, uh, about uh, social issues and they talk about toxic masculinity, right? And uh, it's a word that is more and more starting to be defined. But one of the most recent definitions of this phrase or this uh, uh, word right here is this. It's a social science term that describes narrow, repressive type of ideas about the male gender role that defines masculinity as exaggerated, masculine traits like being violent, unemotional, sexually aggressive, and so forth. Also suggests that men who act too emotional or maybe aren't violent enough or don't do all the things that real men do get their man card taken away. This, <laughs> this includes things such as bullying, harassment, and believing notions like boys will be boys. It refers to masculinity that encourages aggressive and violent behavior and discourages emotion and self-control. It's very interesting. We're living in a world today where people are trying to define what masculinity looks like. Right? We're living in a world today where social media is trying to define what, social, what masculinity looks like. We're living in a world today where celebrities are trying to define what that looks like. And for many men who are believers in the Word of God, many men who are Christian, many men who are trying to navigate through craziness right now in this part of Earth's history, we're trying to understand what does masculinity actually look like. But what is so amazing is this, friends. We don't have to go to society. We don't have to go to Hollywood. We don't have to go to YouTube. We can go straight to the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? And when you study out the life of Christ, you learn what a man of God is truly all about. He is the example for all people. And when you study out scriptures, you see very interesting uh, allusions to this idea of masculinity. If you have your Bible, go to 1 Kings chapter 2. I want to show you something very interesting. 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2 First Kings chapter 2 Here David is on his deathbed and David is trying to gather up enough words. He's bringing together the lessons of the past, the reflections of his history. And he wants to give Solomon some words that Solomon would never forget for the rest of his life. And we are going to 1 Kings 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. Notice what it says in verse 1. Now the days that David drew near that he should die, he charged Solomon his son. So here he is. He's out on his deathbed. He wants to tell Solomon something very special, something Solomon should never forget for the rest of his life, and you can just imagine David has prayed about this, David has reflected upon this, David has thought about this, he understands his son's weaknesses, he understands his son's strengths, so you can imagine every word he's about to speak are calculated to help Solomon be the man that God's called him to be. Notice what it says next. I go the way of all the earth, be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a what a man notice what David is telling Solomon David at the end of his life David an old man David is telling young Solomon look you're about to step into a very special role and I'm no longer here to guide you but Solomon you need to understand these words prove yourself a man now notice this he didn't say, look, you were born a man. He didn't say to him, somehow automatically when you reach a certain age, you became a man. He said, look, you need to prove yourself a man. And by the way, this is a, a, a word or a phrase that uh, is a little bit expanded on. Ellen White actually talks about masculinity, but she uses the word manly. You like that? Manly? In fact, she talks to ladies that are interested in finding uh, someone to marry one day, and she says this, let a young woman accept as a life companion, only one who possesses, notice this, pure, what's that next word, manly traits of character. One who is diligent, aspiring, and honest. One who loves and fears God. And by the way, you can read periodically throughout the Spirit of Prophecy. She uses that phrase, manly, 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 manly. But here's the thing. How do we understand what manliness is all about? How do we understand what masculinity is all about? I think that if you apply the word toxic to the word masculinity, it's not masculinity anymore. Amen? Amen? Masculinity brings together the virtues that are found in scripture. In fact, I love this, by the way. Does anybody here have a uh, friend or a, you know, a female friend that has a shirt that says, I am a Proverbs 31 woman? Right? Or maybe they have a mug. You're at their house and it says, don't mess with me, Proverbs 31 woman here. Something like that. Right? Or maybe you think, oh, this will be a cute gift to give my girlfriend one day. You're a Proverbs 31 woman. Right? Or you'll see some woman working out of the gym. and on the back of her shirt says something like, I work out. A woman strengthens her arm. Proverbs 31 woman. Right? And many times when we talk about Proverbs chapter 31, we generally think to ourselves, oh, yeah, that's the chapter that supposedly teaches women how to be women. But here's the thing, a careful study of Proverbs chapter 31 actually shows us it's not just talking about women, it's talking about men. And the next time someone ever tells to you tells you, look you need to be a Proverbs 31 woman, you need to say to them you need to be a Proverbs 31 man. So let's unpack this a little bit more. Let's understand what does a Proverbs chapter 31 man look like? Well, if you actually study out the chapter, you will find there are several references to what a godly man looks like, what manliness looks like, what masculinity should look like in Proverbs chapter 31. So what are some of the characteristics that we can get from Proverbs chapter 31? All right, let's take a good look at this. If you have your Bible, let's go to verse 3. Verse 3, Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to spend a little bit of time there, rapid fire, Proverbs chapter 31, starting with verse 3. Let's start with verse 1 real quickly, and then we'll go to verse 3. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What my son, what the son of my womb, what son of my vows. Notice verse 3. Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys what? Destroys what? Kings. The first lesson that you get about a Proverbs 31 man is that he shouldn't be a womanizer. Amen? Do you know what the definition of a womanizer is, by the way? Now, it's not somebody who calls you two times and stops talking to you. Oh, he was leading me on. Uh Uh-uh, it's not that. A womanizer is someone who goes from woman to woman, sometimes has multiple women, with the very intent of sleeping around with them. And what the mother of Lemuel or Solomon, as commentators believe, is telling him it's like, look, here's the thing. you got a vitality and life about yourself, but don't let it be sapped with this pursuit about going from woman to woman to woman to woman, like many other kings have done in surrounding nations. She understands something even about the life of David when he was polygamous, that it, it, it did not contribute to the good in his life. When you take a good look at many of the patriarchs that, that went into this sin from woman to woman to woman, and you can see what eventually happened, it sucked the, the life out of them and the joy was gone because of the dynamics of that. So notice this, the first characteristic we have is that it tells us right here in Proverbs 31, here the instruction is given. You're like, wait a minute, I thought Proverbs chapter 31 talks starts a little bit later. Wrong, it starts from verse 1. Can you say amen to that? Now what else, does we, what else can we understand about a Proverbs chapter 31 man? Number two, go all the way to verse 9. Let's start with verse 8 actually. Open your mouth for the speechless. Here she is still talking to Lemuel. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Plead the cause of the poor and needy. In some translation it says the oppressed. Here Solomon is charged. Look, you're going to need to be a defender of those who can't defend themselves. Can you say amen to that? We live in a world today where women are taken advantage of, where men are taken advantage of, and what God needs, He needs godly men who are willing to stand up for those that are oppressed. Amen? Amen. In fact, um, uh, not too long ago, I actually was in a certain place in where the rape statistics are very high. And I was in this place, and in my morning devotions, I came across the story Of one of the daughters of David. You know the story, right? Where one of the sons wants to sleep around with this woman. And the Bible says she wore a robe of many colors which all the virgin daughters of the king wore. And this man takes advantage of her and he rapes her. And then she is just in this moan of depression. She is worried about the social anxiety and what everyone is going to think. She begins to have this cascading series of emotion and distress. And what the young man does, he actually kicks her out of the house, tells the servant, get this woman away from me. And the Bible says he despised her. But the part about that story that was quite interesting was this. It says, and she never knew a man afterwards. Now, when I initially read that, I thought to myself, oh, maybe there's some kind of social stigma. Maybe she was not supposed to marry as a result of this. I am sorry, you will not find a biblical law that would actually prevent this from happening. This is something that this woman, through the distress that happened to her, she became so confined within herself that she could not trust another man to give her body to. And this is something that we need to understand we're living in a world today where there's this sexual aggression and god wants godly men to stand up for those that are most vulnerable can you say amen to this this is what the mother of king lemuel was charging solomon charging her son look stand up for the vulnerable don't let people do things to them because they're in this moment of vulnerability and when you notice something is happening that should not be happening, step in. Can you say amen to that? Let's continue with this. Number three. What else? Notice what it says in verse four. Verse four. Here the mother is still talking, giving advice to her son. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink what? What? Wine, nor for princes, intoxicating drink. Notice this, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all who are what? Afflicted. In other words, here the mother is giving advice to her son. Supposed to be a Proverbs 31 man. Look, here's the thing: be temperate, live a lifestyle in which there is purity. Don't let alcohol come into your life, but more than just alcohol, anything that can affect the mind. Because when your mind is affected, when it's hampered, when it's under this intoxication, you lose an ability to be connected to God and an ability to carry out the will of God. And what she was telling this man was this. Look, when you are drunk, you will stop caring about those who are afflicted and you will lose the reason for why God put you in this place to begin with. You can take a good look at many of the crimes that are committed against individuals and you will find that many of those crimes came under people who were intoxicated. There were individuals that decided to drink a little bit, smoke a little bit, and what happened is that their mind became confused and without excusing them by any means. They went down a path and one night of revelry changed the course of their entire life here the instruction is given. Watch out for these kinds of things. But notice the next thing right here. Let's continue with this. Proverbs chapter 31. Let's go all the way to verse 23. Let's understand a little bit more about this Proverbs chapter 31, man. Verse 23. Notice what the Bible is saying right here. Rapid fire. Her husband is known in the gates. Do you know what the gates were? The gates were the very entrance of the city, or Jerusalem. And at the gates, that's where the businessmen came together to have deals. You can read the story of Ruth and Boaz, right? Boaz, by the way, was a Proverbs 31 man. Can you say amen to that? Did he not stand up for the oppressed? Right? He was somebody that stood up for Ruth, right? And he was somebody who had a good reputation in the gates because when he went there to discuss with the men... He began to just, they understood this man to be an honorable man. And they understood him to have a good reputation and they allowed the transaction to take place. But what this is saying about the Proverbs chapter 31 man is this. Look, you need to have a good reputation in the gates. And then notice what it says next in the second part of this verse. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. This is interesting because the elders of the land are supposed to be older people, wiser people, mature people. But this young man has a reputation even amongst the elderly as someone who is honorable, someone who has integrity, someone who is careful in what he does, and someone who lives a godly life. And so the, the question does come, what is your reputation like? Now I know there are some people here because of you know uh, gossip and something like that, your reputation may be skewed or darkened by some false rumors and words, but here's the thing I want you to understand. Amongst those that are reasonable, amongst those that are godly, amongst those that know you, you need to have a good reputation. Amen? You need to be the kind of person, and ladies, listen up. This is super important. Look, I am not idealistic about romance and relationships whatsoever, and I don't believe that someone else's story is going to be our story, right? You hear these stories sometimes that people are like, I was in this jungle jungle in the middle of this mission field, and I prayed for 30 days, God, to send somebody. And I was walking down the path on the end of the 30th day. There he was. And I knew God brought us together, right? That person's story is not your story. Amen? Right? That person's story is not your story. Uh, We need to understand very reasonable principles when it comes to these things, when it comes to relationship. Consult the Word and consult godly mentors. And if there is not a drawback after much prayer and the fear of the Lord, move forward, right? Sometimes in Adventism we're so frozen by things that are happening, we overanalyze, we have analysis paralysis about these things. Look, take some godly counsel and follow the process. And it may not work out, but at least you follow the process. Can you say amen to that? So this individual right here has a good reputation. You talk to the godly older people and they could say some good things. Not the grouchy older people, amen? They'll always say something bad about you. Let's continue with this. The next part. Proverbs chapter 31, man. Rapid fire. We're going through this so fast. Let's continue with 31. Notice what it says right there in verse Twenty-seven. She watches over the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Notice this: her husband also he praises her. Something you notice about this Proverbs thirty-one man is that he is not intimidated by women. Can you say Amen to that? In fact, when the Bible says she is able to purchase a land with the money she is saving and plant a garden. You know what that is telling us about the Proverbs chapter 31 man? You will say, wait a minute, I thought it was talking about Proverbs chapter 31 woman. No, it's telling us also something about the problems, chapter 31 man. It's that he is not intimidated by the entrepreneurial ambitions of his wife. Amen? Like she is somebody that has dreams and somebody she has ambitions, but he's not, he's not like, well, no, we're following only my way and the highway. Right? You can say happy, happy wife, happy life, but I say happy spouse, happy house. Right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing, this Proverbs chapter 31, man, no, 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 when he talks about his wife, oh, he's praising, him. he's like, look, I got the best wife in the world, right? Ellen White, by, Ellen White, by the way, she counsels couples when they're together in front of people for them not to joke about each other. Nothing wrong with having fun and making light of things, but she talks about wounds that grow and fester over a period of time. You ever been in a car ride with a couple, and you're riding in the car, and all of a sudden they're like, they're talking, and somebody will make a comment about the other one, and then there's this awkward tension in the car, and you're like silent, and you're like, I need to get out of this car right now, right? <laughs> you can tell somebody is hurt, right? And this is what she's warning about. This is Proverbs chapter 31, no, he's praising her. He's talking about her. He's not just being fake, he's not just, you know, as some kind of agenda. He says, Look, this is the best kind of woman you could ever have. She's encouraged. Amen? Amen. Now notice this last part. What's a good characteristic of Proverbs chapter 31 man? He knows how to find and spot a Proverbs chapter 31 woman. Can you say amen to that? Right? He says, her works praise her in the gates. Her works praise her in the gates. He's heard, he knows, he has seen. This is a good woman here. And in closing, I think we need to understand just one or two things, and that is this. That when it comes to this whole chapter, there are so many other characteristics, by the way, we didn't have time to go over about Proverbs chapter 31. We begin to see elements of what masculinity looks like. It's more than the guy who, who's able to be, you know, muscular and carries a, a rifle, nothing wrong with those things, right? The guy who can hike up several mountains, it's more than masculinity, it's more than the guy that can. Chug down and win an eating, you know, veggie link contest or whatever. But masculinity, biblical masculinity looks like Jesus. Amen? It looks like Jesus. And you, when you see Jesus, you see a dignity and when you see Jesus you see someone who protected those that were innocent and vulnerable and when you see Jesus you see a gentleness and like the bible says your gentleness has made me great you see someone who was willing to sacrifice and somebody who believed in the will of God and it was the one law of his life this is what masculinity looks like can you say amen to that and there is nothing toxic about that this is what we want for our husbands, our spouses, our, um, our, you know, the men that are in church, the young men that are growing up, this is what we want, that they would become like Jesus. Amen. And amen. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for just this uh, brief introduction And I thank you, God, that it is your will to restore in every person the image of the Maker. And you have called us to be men and women of God. And Lord, we need your help for those things. Show us more and more what that looks like. Uh, May your character be reflected in our lives. And may we pass that on to others. And thank you so much for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen.